0: Howdy, folks! Happy Wednesday, Happy Hump Day. We have some things to discuss. Uh, the men's tournament at the Olympics has started. Um, I, I didn't think I was gonna ever hear Rito Barra's name again, Ross. I love Rito. He's one of
1: my favorites.
0: Right, but we, but he 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 was in goal for the Swiss today. He goes back
1: to the World Juniors, Kev. He 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 was such a good quote. He's such a good guy, and he made it to the NHL. He was so thrilled to play in the NHL. He was just like one of those happy-go-lucky guys
0: yeah
2: yeah i always appreciate those guys well big win by denmark uh today
0: in the the women's uh, and um but but russ start us off the pre-show then we'll get to the olympics and some okay so let's talk a little bit about the nba
1: and their super trades just to to recap uh when i was 10 years old i did put a curse on on the uh, new york nets when they sold dr j to the new jersey nets and and I never once again rooted for the Nets and always ho- wished bad things on them. I you know there were times over the years I thought I was weakening and I would root for them. I always rooted for the Knicks, but I used to root for both. And and it just never happened. So fast forwarding to today, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, in the last two years have played something like 16 games together.
0: Yeah, they're 13 and three when they played together, but they never play together. But they don't play together.
1: So now there's talk of this James Harden for Ben Simmons deal in Philly. To me, this is one of the most incredible deals I've ever heard because even Stephen A. Smith on ESPN had to tap dance around Ben Simmons in the sense that – now listen to this, Kev. If you're trading for Ben Simmons, you're trading for a guy that likes to play defense, will move the ball, but doesn't really want to shoot and will pass the ball occasionally. Well, he will he'll pass it a lot. He won't shoot though. And so it's like, how do you make a big trade for a guy like that that's not willing to shoot,
0: that will play defense and and dribble the ball? I'll give you an answer when you're trading for a 33 year old fat guy with a beard as big as Abraham Lincoln, who is, you know, will make $50 million next year, Russ. And this is the thing. And now I, I, you know, I, uh,
2: is that true? $50 million. $50 million. Yeah. I, I don't
0: oh I don't listen. I don't listen to Bill Simmons for his basketball takes, but I do listen to his podcast. And you know, this is like like with us right before the trade deadline for hockey. This is his bailiwick because he, he loves yeah. the, the basketball trade deadline. And the way he described it is it wouldn't just be one on one Ben Simmons for no, no they have to give a, a another player too, like a Maxie. Maxie or early. Seth Curry. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they're been good for them. The 76ers are not doing that. They could just wait until the offseason. They something. might do it, Mike. They Daryl Morey wants to get rid of
1: Ben Simmons in the worst way. And, you know, the weird thing about the Ben Simmons thing is he may have mental issues. He may. Um, but he also didn't do anybody any favors when he said he will play for any other team in the league. But he just doesn't <laughs> want to play for the Sixers. And he did say that. Wow. And so, like, it's like, you know, what do you do with that guy? And Daryl Morey, he hasn't played all year, Kev. He went to camp, like, for two days, and then he basically said, I have mental health issues. Uh, If you trade me,
0: I'll play for anybody else. And it's like, what do you do with that guy? So this is a William Nealander situation. Like you're up it's against way worse than that. Oh, I know. No, and I'm not. I'm not trying to yeah. cast aspersions on Nealander, but I mean, yeah, yeah. by saying it, it went down to the 11th hour right before the deadline. Because if the deadline yeah. passes, he's not going to come back for the rest of the year. Right. But and the yeah, Sixers I- could possibly win a championship if they were to get a player like Harden,
1: because Joel Embiid is, is been great. And so this is the, the toughest spot
0: I think I've ever seen a team in because it's just crazy that's all yeah kev i'm not a big nba fan but there but this is the thing like i didn't mind the the the, like say when it was paul pierce ray allen and kevin garnett in boston because they saw sort of all complemented each other but when it became lebron and dwayne wade and, uh, and, uh, uh, Chris Bosch in Miami. And then now, and then LeBron going to, going to LA with, uh, with Antonio De, and these te- and then James Harden purposely getting fat and lazy in Houston to force a trade to, to Brooklyn. That really, I mean, that really rubs me wrong. I can't stand the, the manipulation, I, I get that these players have rights and they, they want to go where they want to go, but I, it's almost like the players are the general managers and the GMs are, are, almost
2: idea. Yeah. yeah i i don't really appreciate this the uh the super team concept um i appreciate the fact that they do that i like the players um you know are willing to call one another and say um you know let's all try to meet in this team and try to win a championship i think that's kind of fun it kind of shows uh uh you know how much players want to win they try to you know create the best possible team which is you know takes us back to the schoolyard when we were 9 and 10 years old what do we want to do we want to put together a great team and win the neighborhood game in any way possible so I, I don't mind that the problem is the consequences of that is that it creates uh, an environment which isn't you know, fan friendly no um, you know and uh, you have all kinds of you know kind of issues like you're talking about to, to be sure It's it's not a good thing for the league like the best thing for the league, as much as everybody hates the word in the NHL, is parity. Yeah, you know, when everybody's got a shot to to win, to get in the playoffs, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know to
1: yeah, I would say the win. NBA is the probably the league that you have the least chance of winning when yeah.
2: you're
0: because if you don't have two or three of those guys, you you can't win. Yeah, right. and and there are some friends and and okay, it's like this now in every professional sport. I can't see the Pittsburgh Pirates winning a world series anytime soon, unless the, right. unless the system changes or like the Sacramento Kings and the NBA, they're all, they're always going to be those teams in professional sports. Um, you know, you almost wish that the, some of these leagues would have second divisions like the English English premier league. So they, they, you know, a, a more deserving team could could be moved up while the other team that's relegated. But um, one, one last thing here. And okay. I, I don't know. I don't think this is a good thing because of, all the the info that came out about the accusations against this particular player, but in baseball, the news came out yesterday that no charges would be would be uh, levied against Trevor Bauer. Right. Uh, and now, Russ, this is the as soon as I saw this, I said he's going to pitch for the Dodgers next year. They can't just unless the – unless the no, Patriots, they might trade him. I don't know if the Dodgers want him. Well, at 40 something million dollars, I don't know how many, you know, I don't think the Yankees would take No, but they may even eat a lot of that salary just to get Yeah, they're going
2: to have to because nobody's taking them at that point.
0: Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I I mean, they can't, no, they could, I I don't know if his contract had an option where, if it had an option that they they could walk away as a free agent. I don't think they did. I I don't think they do either. But if they they did, I think there would be teams out there that that would sign them of course it's baseball somebody's going to sign them i mean somebody like
2: you
1: said like the pirates or the royals or one of those bottom dwelling teams would definitely sign them
2: and but just the pirates uh, aren't going to pay that kind of money
1: no 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 he's no. saying if, if,
0: the, if the if the freight gets picked up by the dodgers and oh you start, I, yeah. you there, and you can sign them for the minimum well what might yeah. What might change things, Kevin, and we don't know about this because we don't know, you know, we may not see a major league season until June or July based on the the, the, the snails crawl that's going on right now. But if there's a salary cap with a floor, some of these teams are going to have to get up to the floor. And right. that's where a guy like Trevor Bauer on one year at 40 something million dollars. He'd get one team to the floor. I'm going to predict what? you will not see a salary cap. Yeah,
2: I, 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 I think that's a pipe dream.
0: Probably so. not. And just for Thomas Boyle, because he asked mm-hmm. for the sign. There it is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, February 9th,
1: 2022. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And it's never over till it's over, except for the
2: Islanders. It's over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kevin Allen, Hockey Buzz. And uh, I'm excited about Denmark's uh, win over the Czech Republic. Uh, Franz Nielsen scores on a penalty shot. Oh,
0: so. well, I, I thought I thought it was Denmark against the. I thought. That's, I, I thought that's more goals than he scored for the Red right Wings.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I got but, you.
0: That's
2: but what's he? What's he? What's he good in? He's good on and uh, shootouts. Uh, so you know, but uh, yeah, it's a big win. You know, that's the one thing you, that's really fun about the international competition is you have those kind of events where you know it's not a big deal in the United States or Canada, but it's a really big win over in Denmark. They have oh, never sure. won an Olympic hockey
0: they'll make a stamp over
2: that well
0: I, 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 see if if international relations were uh, reflected in the results of a hockey game i think the us would probably like to put a 20 spot on the chinese tomorrow uh in their in their opening game i don't think that's gonna happen but it may it may be close but um all right let's let's start let's start with um Russ, you you uh, saw the presser with uh, yep. danny Grier being announced as the uh or being introduced as the special assistant to the general manager of the philadelphia flyers
1: yeah he, he echoed a lot of a lot of the same sentiments that chuck fletcher has been echoing so i don't really know what his responsibilities are going to be i don't think anybody does so that part i don't like the title because it's sort of nebulous because it doesn't really give you a good indication of what he is going to do. But, you know, he did talk about what he did with the Mariners, main Mariners, and then certainly um, has some, some good footing there to be able to be a front office guy. Uh, definitely has, you know, hockey smarts from being a good hockey player. But besides just being a Flyers favorite and being a good guy to have out there, there wasn't much to learn other than he acknowledged, yeah, player development hasn't been great one of the things he said that really got me was it's hard to give equivalence for back in Danny's day and now and I'll give you an example so he was like yeah when I signed my deal in 07 uh, you know the flyers were in last place and you know all of a sudden we got good again and and it could happen again and I'm like okay but you were talking about a very young Richards and Carter and J- RJ Umberger, they had, you know, they were playing with the Phantoms through the lockout. They were in, they just finished their second year of, of the NHL when Danny Briere joined, you had Claude Giroux coming up for the minors and then you had some other good role players. All of that put together compared to what the Flyers have now coming up from Lehigh is no comparison, not yet. And so for me, it's like, you can't compare these two things. And again, if we the one thing that is getting Flyers fans and and it's just too easy of a trap to fall in, so I'm not going to hold it on Danny. This has been the whole organization. You can't continue to say they're better on paper than what the results are right now because there's so many question marks going into next year. Is Kevin Hayes ever going to regain form of two years ago? Even can Ryan Ellis stay healthy? Maybe Ryan Ellis stays healthy, so they're a little better. Their top pairings better. Can they even do anything about replacing claude Giroux. the answer is no john Couture is a heck of a center but he's not claude Giroux. kevin hayes is not really a number two center no matter who you get in this Giroux trade you will not replace claude Giroux. so all of a sudden that's taken out and then if they lose ristolainen even the assets that you'll get back are just what you gave up for ristolainen but you're now going to be without that physical presence on the blue line too that you're going to have to now replace but- so there's no way I could look at this team in the way the Metro is and even under the best circumstances
0: say that they can have a chance at the wild card next year. No, but the whole but the whole point of say moving Giroux, Kev, and moving Ristolainen is to acquire the assets to maybe make another move like acquiring another Ristolainen or another. I mean, maybe probably not. You know, you're probably not going to find another Giroux because Giroux is a top six forward, and you know, unless there's somebody in free agency, they're gonna. You know, there's been talk about them going after Nazem Kadri. That Nazem Kadri would make sense for the Flyers because he's sort of a Flyers type of player. But well, you're gonna have, have the money. Pay- gonna have to well you're gonna have to spend the eight and a quarter million dollars you're paying drew that's the whole thing
2: yeah they won't be able to to do that yeah I mean they're talking about you know being better next year and I think it's possible they're gonna take a half step backwards I agree you know they have uh real salary cap issues um you know they really can't afford to resign drew even if they want to no. and, uh not without moving some players out so there's there's a lot of difficulty there to to say the least. I I don't see that they have the money to uh, to bring in any new players, and they got to hope that uh, some of these younger players uh, replace that. The other the other element here is, you know, if you're hiring uh, somebody as Chuck Fletcher's uh, assistant or at least a consultant or whatever you want to call him, you know, and that certainly implies that Chuck Fletcher is not in any danger of of losing his job. No, because uh, doesn't
1: I think the agreement now was Kev, last summer. The agreement was, this is what we want you to do. He did it right. He went out and replaced all the positions that they felt were weak. Okay. Now it was, well, we got to beef up the staff a little bit. That's still not enough, but we have to beef up the staff a little bit, show the, the you know, the public, what we're doing and how we're going to get better this way. And then you can keep your job again. And And that's what they've basically done, but they're still, they still aren't staffed up enough. Like as yeah. an example, uh, I don't know if they have another goalie consultant besides Kim Dillabaugh. I don't know if they have one on paper. There are some teams that have two or three. That's just to use an example. So they they are—they don't have everything staffed up exactly the right way. And Lehigh is showing the results of that this year. They're bad. Their power plays 14%. They would, they'll struggle just to be a hockey 500 this year. And those are your guys that you have to develop. So they're going to look at that. And they're going to try and hope that a lot of these guys make a big step next year or by two years. And that, you know, that is a hope. But again, you're putting that together with what you have at the at the NHL level, Kev. And that's a lot of hoping.
2: Yeah. And the timing of this hire is odd. Like, why would you do this now? You know, I wouldn't. I'll you tell know. you
1: why. It's it's to put on a better face, right? For the fan base to show that they're they're trying to work on things internally to get better. So at the trade deadline, they'll make a better trade. Yeah. At the draft, they'll have better draft picks. That's well, the inclination here. But you know, and I know, it takes a lot more than that to happen that quickly.
0: Well, how does this contrast with two other scenarios that have sort of played out uh, over the last? I'd say month or so where, you know, Nicholas Lidstrom is coming into the Detroit organization as an assistant GM, not a special assistant, but as an assistant GM, but he's going to be in Sweden most of the time. Scott Niedermeyer apparently earlier this week is now joining the Anaheim Ducks as an as an assistant GM, but he's going to stay in British Columbia most of the time. This one here, is going to be in Philadelphia, but this is more, yeah, let's shine up this Ugly nickel right now, and try to put a good. Spin There's in. another voice, and Danny's a good
1: voice. Like that's that's a positive. But you're right. I mean, ultimately, it's it's to show something quickly to the team that they are reacting, and there is no cap on the front office, as we know, and so you could go and make 12 hires tomorrow if you want.
2: Yeah, I mean, the other two hires, um, there was logic behind them. Right. Pat Verbeek was just hired as the general manager he's putting together staff that's very logical yeah right. detroit red wings uh nick Lidstrom has been part of the organization in the past as a scout um you know he had uh he and eisenman had an ongoing talks and it kind of you know bears fruit uh now um they had knowledge that uh pat Verbeek was uh, uh probably going to leave them or could leave them and i think eisenman was trying to Um, reconfigure his cabinet. Um, so that made sense. This to me, you know, the Flyers in a situation where they're going to have to retool and look at things. Like to me, this move, and I have no problems with Danny Breyer, I agree completely with with Russ. Like, he's a very quality hockey guy. Mm -hmm. Um, but usually these kind of things are done after the season, after you do a total review of what's needed, instead of you know, putting a, a patch on it. Now, I mean, that should be part of, uh, you know, three or four or five hirings that are announced to simultaneously look, this is what we're going to do. Be
1: but this is the other issue, Kev. This is the other element in the room. They're willing to say in press conferences, hey, we may not make the playoffs this year and we get that. But what they're not willing to say is, but what they are doing by sending down Morgan Frost and Cam York and guys back to Lehigh that were up there for a little while doing well and keeping all the vets in there. You could say that they're showcasing them, but there is also a belief that that the if they win, or- no, no, but if they were to win ten or fifteen in a row, they could get back in it. Gotcha. There is that. I guarantee you, in deep, deep down, there is still that belief, and they're not fully giving that. I'm up I'm using
0: yet. this sign for the Flyers now. No, but they're
1: not giving it up.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's what that's what it tells me.
2: Yeah, no. I mean,
0: I'm not not advocating. <clears throat> I'm not advocating a just blatant Arizona, Buffalo, Montreal type of tank. No, they won't do it. They, no, yeah. they, they won't do it, and they can't do it because of the market, Russ. But I, I, I think that they should do it because, uh, you know. You know,
2: the, you know, already we see on, uh, you know, some of the main writers, like uh, Sam Cacciardi is uh, already starting to list uh, the top prospects that are available this season. He did a yeah. story. I, I read the story about you know if they were picking now like what who would be available and and so forth so i think there are people's thinking in those terms already people uh, in the
1: media fans i don't know how much of their hierarchy is good
2: yeah i'm yeah. i well i mean I, I don't know the answer to that but i i gotta hope that somebody there is thinking about
1: it <laughs> oh i know that they know it's a great possibility that they won't yeah but, but they're not saying they're not even talking about Possibly trading anybody yet, and the fact that they basically have let all the
0: veterans stay in the lineup is all you need to know. Well, Russ, I think they're not trading the veterans yet because, with especially with Drew, um, with an eight point two five million dollar cap hit, they have to wait until probably the last minute to be able to for another team to be able to fit that amount under the cap.
1: Yeah, but as an example. Keith Yandel. There's no reason for him to play another game as a flyer. He he set the record. They did a very nice thing for him. Kessel will end up passing him. You've got Cam York in waiting. You've got Zamula who could use some NHL time, who's been really good in Lehigh. And Keith Yandel's just sucking up that time. He doesn't make a lot of money. You could eat half of Keith Yandel's money now and someone will take him tomorrow. There's no reason to leave some of these guys in the lineup blocking kids from getting time. But what's gonna happen here is they are gonna do that and these kids will end up getting like 20 games at the end of the year. But even, but Mike Yo said something even kind of disturbing yesterday, and I don't think he meant to, but it's disturbing and it disturbed Kevin's dog too. And that is, Mike Yo said, well, hey, Cam York's gonna go down. He's gonna play in every situation, which is always good. Don't get me wrong. And and he might even play up to 30 minutes a game. And I'm like, you don't want to do that. I get you want to play a guy every situation, but you don't want to play a guy 30 minutes in any. A right. good idea as a defenseman.
0: Right? Yeah. Uh, all right. The big news of last night, and uh, let me just see if I can share the screen here so we can see it here in all of its glory. Of course. Yeah. Chrome isn't. Chrome is not allowing me to to show the screen. Wonderful. So I can't do it. But Anyway. Um. What I was going to show was the Tristan Jari Brad Marchand yes. incident, Kevin. And it wasn't only just the sort of lack of sportsmanship type of thing. Well, where, where some people thought it was funny where Marcian slaps the, the, the puck out of Jari's. The Jari was apparently going to hand it to a, uh, a Penguins fan uh, in at uh, TD Garden and Marcian skated by and knocked the puck off of his stick. It was the, you know, sort of bolo punch. And uh, then another, uh, I think he, he cuffed him with the stick um that occurred uh also you, you know again he's been suspended once this year so he i think he's going to get the book thrown at him me too um, and, and, and i don't know how much but you know this is a team that needs brad marchand and he keeps doing this stupid stuff
2: yeah i had just written a story just talking about the mathematics of uh you know the red wings uh playoff hopes which are you know pretty much non existence but you know if, if you want to open the door a crack uh, you know you do things like that you know take marshan out of the lineup for five or more games right. um you know with the suspension i mean i i don't know what you know the thing that's so bothersome about marshan is he's a terrific hockey player yes i mean you no know, he is you know beyond the reproach as a offensive player he's uh, you know uh, every time bergeron <laughs> has those big games it's Marshan right alongside of him making plays that allow bergeron to do that so you know he's a you know he's a big game player he's proven himself on many stages and yet you know he does these antics and i I, you know i if i can practice amateur psychology without a license somewhere along the line early in his career uh, people told him that his ticket to the nhl was to play an agitating game yeah, and he bought into that, uh, but he doesn't need to do that anymore. Like right. uh, you know, uh, he's he's not doesn't need to be that guy, but he uh, but he he is that guy. He's become I mean, that guy.
0: Russ um, on that tw- on that 2011 Stanley Cup team, he was a th- I think he was a third liner, and mm-hmm. you know obviously what most people remember is him speed bagging one of the Sedin's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean at a certain point when you're a star. And you need to play 20 minutes a night for your team to win you got to stop this stuff
1: to me this is the bigger issue this is where you kind of wish um like joe pesci could be like commissioner for a day and really just threaten brad Marchand in a way that listen the nhl needs to get their fans back they have a very good connection with their fans this is something where tristan jerry is going to do something really nice for a fan and give them a puck. And this idiot has to break that up and that's what gets shown on tv that is not fan friendly and if i'm the commissioner i'm like listen if you want to continue to get paid what you're getting paid stop doing this nonsense and i would spend them for 10 games and i'd say because now you're damaging the sport you're not just an idiot on the ice but now you're the idiot in the eyes of the world but here's the other thing that some bruins fans told me i didn't see it because i didn't see that game i just saw some highlights and, and look the bruins we're heading that game Pittsburgh is being Pittsburgh came back and won and this is why Pittsburgh is dangerous apparently Crosby may have slew footed uh Patrice Bergeron and Bergeron is out now with a concussion and Crosby got nothing and and that is a problem but that has nothing to do with Marshawn if Marshawn's pissed about that then Marshawn needs to take that up with some other people and not take it out on like Tristan Jerry and a fan like it's just you know Marshawns are basically do something for that fan. He should go up to Jerry and say, hey, you know what? That was wrong. Who is that fan? I need to talk to that fan because that's not the, I, I don't want to present myself that way. But he doesn't care about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, goal, goalie FP in the chat, Jer, Jerry apparently slashed somebody. I think it, it might have been Charlie Coyle. I can't remember for sure, but that was that was suppo- supposedly the justification. See, but the, that <laughs> that's the justification, that's the justification. It's like okay, well, wait a second. You can't go down that road because, as we determined when, when, with that Winnipeg situation with the with the Leafs, where uh, Neil Pionk was getting back at Rasmus Sandin for hitting Blake Wheeler last year. And then spezza took out pionk you know it's it doesn't make it doesn't matter what the yeah. other person did it's the person who gets caught
2: are we professional athletes are we 12. Right. right that's like, really yeah that's the best that, way to it's it. that simple you know and uh you know they forget and obviously it's a competitive game and things boil over but it shouldn't boil over that often as it does with uh with Marshan. and he's a very bright guy like anybody who reads his twitter uh, twitter twitter feed like yeah. i do uh he's clever. No, he's, he's, he's clever he's a very clever guy he's very bright but he uh, seems
0: he seems to embrace this persona kev i mean Eck yeah. has, has been asking the last month or off and on is brad Marchand a hall of famer well he's definitely a hall of famer in the hall of fame of jerks because he keeps doing this yeah, yeah and that's why you could hurt him in the hall of fame initially
1: because some of the voters are going to see that just to answer a chat room question to timothy and thanks for asking timothy you can um just send me a message on twitter or on facebook dm me and
0: i could send autograph copies out of my book or go to amazon.com thanks for or, or me. contact Bye-bye. me and or contact me and i'll charge you 10 percent extra uh, <laughs> now also also with the bruins um Flutus and shinzawa and a couple other sources reported yesterday that it's starting to sound like tuca rask that the experiment of his comeback may be over with, and there is some chatter, Kev that he might uh, re-retire. Yeah,
2: yeah. and uh, you know, I don't think anybody saw this as an experiment, so that's the only surprise of this. Like, this wasn't right. one of those things where he said, well, I'll try and see what happens. Like, he didn't, I don't think there was any doubt in the Bruins or in Rask that he was gonna be ready. So it's surprising in that regard. Uh, but you know, the injury, um and the you know maybe he came back too soon uh and uh so he isn't right for that and all along he had planned to do one and out and so i think he probably feels i mean i'm just guessing but if he doesn't feel he's right uh you know he's not probably going to be right for a while you know the team is better off to move on without him and uh, he'll go on and continue his life Uh you know the sad thing for me about all this and we've talked about this before i've never seen an athlete who has done uh, been such a, a contributor and being so successful, not have the kind of relationship that he should have with the fan base there.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah it's, and you know, I know that's quarterbacks yeah. role he's always. I, I think
0: Mike Schmidt and Philly had the same kind of I, I think you're, dead, I think you're dead on, Kevin. The thing, you know, the thing that's un, unreal about Boston is, you know, Chara is loved. And and Bergeron and Marchand and right. Rask had the misfortune of following Tim Thomas, and yeah. Tim Thomas won them a cup, and was that lovable, you know, sort of flopping around goaltender. And Rask is very controlled and very unemotional, and you know, and and they never really grasped how good he was. I mean, I I, I did because obviously. You know, he was a product. He was a first round pick of the Leafs and John Ferguson Jr. And his infinite wisdom traded him for Andrew Raycroft a long time ago. And, you know, he's had a fantastic career and he was responsible for getting the Bruins to the Stanley Cup final in 2019. You know, he he had a great career and it. It almost misserved him in this situation coming back and not being able to play, say, three or four games in the American Hockey League to sort of get back into the swing. And that's what I was going to say. I
1: think that has also contributed to this because he didn't get those games in Providence. He went in there, he did well the first game, and then he just didn't do well. And that's, again, where I think Kevin is right by saying he probably didn't feel exactly right and probably didn't want to go through another long stint, either in the AHO or whatever, to get right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in the chat room, like Jerkball says, he's a drama queen anyway. He's not. This guy, if you know this guy, this guy is so committed to his position, it's unbelievable. The teammates love this guy. Like, he's he's a gamer. The thing is, though, we did talk about it on the show before, he has a lot of mileage on him. He played a lot of games, and he didn't miss a lot of games for a long time, and sometimes this happens to players. And so I just think he felt like, all right, this this was my shot to get back in. It didn't go right. And I'm just done now. That's it. Yeah. I'm okay. Never
2: yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't normally do the, this kind of stuff, uh, but it's really a misread to call him a drama queen. Uh, yeah. You know, I've, I've interviewed him several times one on one, and uh, he's a, a very team oriented, family oriented guy. You know, he loves playing the game. He was kind of char his closest uh yeah. uh friends. Uh it, you know, uh, very as as Russ said, very, very, very popular with his teammates. Yes, yeah, so love good. having him around. He's a good guy. It's like the he was totally miscast, uh, for whatever for whatever reason. Um and uh but he really is a good guy. So
1: Zach Ronaldo uh, liked him, he doesn't like anybody.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no, this this is this is a guy like uh um that uh, you, you know you want to have around and but for some reason he he was miscast it'd be interesting to sort of go back and figure out how that happened and maybe mike's absolutely right maybe it's just as simple as as being a contrast the anti-thomas yeah uh, i think that's what it was yeah so. so
0: so popular in fact if you remember when he left the bubble uh in 2020 you know the the uh, not the media. I think the media were just the reflecting.
2: fans. Yeah, the fans were. The fans yeah.
0: were like, he's a turn, Cody. yeah And the team backed him one hundred percent because they knew what the story was. They knew there was a family situation going on, and he had he had to take care of his family. And they there was no they didn't begrudge him one thing. I, it, it's really strange that a fan base disliked a great player as much as the Bruins disliked. Yeah. Tuka Rask.
2: Although he's had
0: a longer career because he's broadcasting the bean pot. So there you go.
2: And, you know, this is not the 1950s anymore. Like players really understand, um, you know, family first mentality. Uh, You know, in fact, most players, you know, know, all have that kind of attitude. So when a player has family issues uh, with regard, especially with, young children involved, um, you know, they're very sympathetic, you know, that, you know, because they, you know, they think, well, that could be me, you know, like, you know, yeah. and I would want people to be so the players really didn't have any issue with Duke uh, his uh, issue with his family back then.
0: Yeah. Um, no, not, con- not going to go over every game last night. I just want to talk about one game in particular, because it just illustrates my, my point regarding this particular team, and that is the Edmonton Oilers. And that is a 4-0 shutout for Laurent Boiseau against the Oilers Um, coming out of the break. um, Again, this is a team that's in trouble. This is a team that, I mean, they're not out of it in the sense that they're mathematically out of it, but they're, you know, their games played advantage because of, you know, uh, the situation in Canada. They have a few games in hand, just like Calgary does, and they're only, I think, five or six points out of the top three in the Pacific. But, Kev, I watched a lot of this game, and the Oilers were dominated by the Golden Knights. And this is a Golden Knights team without Eichel, with their backup goaltender in, and it wasn't even close.
2: Yeah. And, uh, this is in their heads now. Um, there's no doubt about it, uh, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of talent there and as much as we pick a pipe part their goaltending and for good reason. And, uh, you know, we note that there's still a defenseman short, uh, to be sure, maybe two, um, you know, there's still so much there. Uh, there's a, you know, a lot of talented players beyond Connor McDavid and, uh, uh, so it, it they shouldn't be this bad. You know, uh, you know this is a case where um, they really should be better than they really are. Um, uh, so that tells me that there's uh, something going on. Something's not right. They're going to have to do something. The players are waiting uh, for something to be done. And it may be as simple as what everybody has known for a long time. They need a goaltender. You know, players always say, well, we play the same no matter who's in goal. No, you don't. Uh, they never that has never been the case. Anybody who watches the NHL knows. Players, you know, perform based on who's back there. You know, when Dominic Hoshik was in the Buffalo Sabres net back when he was uh, seemingly invincible, uh, they took more chances than any team I've ever seen uh, in, in NHL history. And when your goaltending isn't sharp, uh, you play more conservatively, you don't push up,' you're, um, you're careful. Uh, you know, so it just disrupts everything it gets in your head. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, that's what we see in Edmonton. Just it's a, it's a mental thing uh, for them. Yeah, no I want
1: to mention, Mike, um, you know, Winnipeg gets to shut out against Minnesota. There's something I want to mention about Winnipeg because in the game before uh, the All-Star break, they played the Flyers, and, and I was waiting on the Winnipeg guys and with a few other of their media and, and one or two other people from Philly. And normally you get that 10 minutes after a game. It went to like 20, 25. And the word was they probably were hashing things out in the locker room before they hit the road meaning you know really kind of letting everybody know what's up and what you need to do and what's wrong with this team and everything else now when paul Sassy came out and and spoke he was asked about that and he you know he as a as a veteran will do he, he was like no nah, there was nothing really talked about and you know of course there was because it took you guys like 20 minutes to get here but the point was i feel like between that and things that Josh Morrissey said, because he had just come back off of COVID and he had been out for like, you know, with the team for what, like a couple weeks and not playing. Then he gets, he plays a couple games, he gets COVID, he's out again. He plays again, like in Philly, and then he goes, and I'm going to be out again, right? Because there's the All Star break. And I, I think that did really skew the way the Jets were playing. And so I do think if there's a team that's going to go on a little mini run here, it could be them mm-hmm. because they are probably better than what their record is even though i didn't pick them for the playoffs they still have some good players i think this is, is hella but well, hold on but i just think right now you're seeing the pride part in their team i think i don't think i don't know if they're making the playoffs i still i still think they probably I, don't i i, I think they see better play out of them
0: i think they're much better than their record is i mean i picked them for the playoffs and and there was an ugly incident in that game last night kevin where marcus felino and Mar, you know marcus felino is a big tough player but you know never doesn't really have the reputation of cheap shotting and he knees adam lowry in the head uh during a like after flipping him over during a after a fight and he and Polino's is going to face a uh, supplementary justice from the department of player safety but I mean, I, talking about Winnipeg, I, 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 like that's a team that has just puzzled me. Hellebuck has not been the dominant goaltender that we've expected. They've got a one-two punch up the middle with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who like, they sometimes play on the wing, and Shifley. There's a lot of talent there. They've had some injury issues, COVID issues, but I just don't get why they're not better than they are right now.
2: Yeah, and there's been a lot of uh, fingers pointed at Shifley, um, and some people have suggested that he was one of the reasons why Paul Maurice, uh, um, you know, had difficulty with the team as well. And in fact, I I saw uh, Craig Button. Uh, uh, I wasn't able to listen to it, but I wanted to. They there were teasing the, the TSN was that uh, Button, you know, basically said he thought that. Uh, uh, Kevin Chevrolet on I need, need to take stock of his team uh, in, in the next week or so um, so he can you know make some decisions about what I she's I think they done. did it
1: that day in the Philly. I think that's exactly what happened because yeah. I, was in, I was in the elevator with Chevrolet off and he is usually a guy that's jovial, will always look, talk to you, say yeah, something. Yeah,
2: great guy, yeah.
1: He looked down at the floor, Kev, and he was mad. Yeah. And I could see it, and so nobody spoke or said a word to him, and I bet he went right into the locker room with that
2: i you know this is off topic a little bit but it's a great story uh the, the best um either player or coach reaction to a lengthy meeting uh i've ever heard was years and years ago when barry melrose was coach of the la kings and i was in the los angeles and he had benched luke robitaille wow. during the game and we were all waiting outside it was the forum it was an old building and you could hear Robitaille and Melrose just screaming at one another. And there was also, you know, now other uh, players involved, it was a full on uh, screaming match at everybody. And you couldn't hear, it was muffled, but you knew. You
1: know, you know what's going on. Yeah, you know what's going
2: on. Yes. So Melrose comes out, and of course, the first question is, is uh, can you enlighten us on what, what went on with Luke Robitaille? And he said, well, it's like this luke and i both love to fish the great lakes of quebec he said and luke likes 20 pound test line and i like 30 pound test line and we were just debating the merits of each (laughs) and and we all just started laughing and then of course when luke came out we we did that and i have often said it was the best job i'd ever seen of a coach or a player of diffusing a situation because they gave us something to write. It was funny. They made light of it. It was a serious situation, serious situation. But Luke just went along with it too, yeah. and you know, said some things as well. And so, you know, everybody had a story. We were able to sort of explain what went on in such a way that you know it wasn't the end of the world for the team, um, but we got our point across too. Everybody was a winner. I I thought it was yeah, brilliant. Well,
1: we've all been around a locker room where they're screaming, and what usually ends up happening is by the time they let us in, there's usually nobody in the waiting room of the locker room. Usually everybody's gone, and then they just send a few back in because they don't want anybody to see what it's been like. But sometimes they've opened the doors early, and we've sort of caught some of that. And, yeah. it's always- Yeah, they,
2: they actually have cleaned up the crime scene as well. You yes. know, like, oh, yeah, the, the, you know, most of the bags are packed, and yeah. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you don't know, you know, what happened. There's been some great, uh, historically, uh, incredibly, uh, uh, you know, entertaining stories
1: there was one where two players it was philly and i want to say it was pittsburgh were going to fight in the hallway to the point i want to say it was matt um not matt ellison but matt something he came out of the flyers locker room in slippers and was going down to the pittsburgh area and was going to have a fight
2: yeah, yeah, that that was that was commonplace in the eighties. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Please, I, I I
0: I remember at the at the old odd in Buffalo, there was a hallway in between the the visitors locker room and the home locker room, and if I had a dollar for every time a player came out of the locker room and they fought in the hallway underneath the stands, I'd be a millionaire. Right.
2: Well, I've got, I've got two great Mike Keenan stories in that regard of, of dressing room confrontations. Uh, a Flyers player told me the story of uh, Mike Keenan didn't like uh, how Rick Tockett had played, and he gave him this lengthy speech about, um, you know, you now think you're a scorer. Uh, you came into this league as a tough guy. Now all of a sudden you think you're a 25 or 30-goal scorer. And, you know, you've changed your game, and you're not nearly as effective. He was really laying on to him and Tockett. Who's very calm just stood and listened to it and he and and when he was done talking said okay mike now i'm ready to fight you and me right here right now (laughs) supposedly the flyers player told me that keenan pretended like he didn't hear him and turned and walked walked away and then the other one was and it's been confirmed by multiple players i did chelios's book as uh keenan got into it with manson and again, was leaving the uh, locker room, and Manson took a skate like it was a tomahawk and hurled it uh, after wow. him, and then started chasing him down the. And with one skate on and one off, started chasing him down the you know hallway, and the players all jumped in. And, I mean, you if know, it
1: weren't for Mark the '94 Rangers were going to mutiny on Mike Keenan. Yeah, it had gotten that bad. I think during the Devils series, it had gotten that tense. So Keenan's got that way with a team.
2: Yeah, he does, you know, and the amazing part of it is I've known Mike a very very long time and you know, when when the uh tension is not high, like he is such an entertaining uh, easy guy to talk to. Well, he's um,
1: got a short fuse. That's the problem.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's very true and uh but he he had this uh thing that he did every year that players have told me about. He knew that players all uh, had a grudge against him. So once a year he would jump in and play in a scrimmage uh, so that all the players could take their shots at him and many of them did uh, many of them would hit him very hard in those uh, scrimmages uh but you know he thought you know give them the opportunity to get their licks in to, and uh you know they he thought that was an effective tool and uh you know based on what i've been told by some of the players it was an effective tool they felt better that they got their their chance to you know get their uh hits and licks in on them
0: uh, in the uh, in the rumor world, um, Kev, I wanted to touch on this. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic yesterday um, reported that uh, he believes that the Calgary Flames are going to shop uh, Matthew Kachuk. I don't know if that means before the deadline or in the summer, but if you look at it, we were looking at it yesterday. He's got a $9 million dollar final year of his uh, this, and this is the third year of a three year deal one year before unrestricted free agency. So the qualifying offer on his deal would be 10% above that, which would be 9.9 million. Um, and if they go to arbitration, he probably would just settle and then walk in unrestricted free agency. So Calgary is in a situation where they might have to trade him now or maybe trade him before, um, you know, free agency sort of sets in. But this is not a great situation for Calgary with him and then with Goudreau as a UFA. They're really between a rock and a hard place.
2: Yeah, I had always felt, and again, nobody ever told me this. I, I, I know the Kachuks, uh, <laughs> having covered them from all those years, but you know they've never said anything like this or even hinted at it. But I always sort of felt that one or both of those boys were going to end up in St. Louis. Yeah, uh, I
1: think one will.
2: Uh, and uh, now we know it's not going. to – I, I kind of thought they were both going to meet there at some point, but obviously Brady is is not going there, uh, uh, at least not anytime right. soon. So, yeah, right. um, but uh, you know, Matthew could go there, and uh, you know, Keith works within the organization there, and uh, um, you know, makes his home there. So, uh, and they're they're a tight family. So, I could certainly see that happening. And uh, you know, I it's a bad situation. I. I love Matthew Kuchuk as a player, but is he a $10 million player? Eh, no, so. but
1: it's a short term thing. So you might get a team, see this is Kev, I thought a team like the Rangers might go for this because it's a short term 10 million and he probably would like the attention of New York and probably would put off his plans for St. Louis until his contract runs out. And then I could see this, the Blues signing yeah. up. but, but he would be a good fit there because if you put him with like Panarin or you put him with like Ryder. Uh, you're talking about a formidable uh top six now for the playoffs,
2: yeah. And you know, if we yeah. go back to what, what Dolan wanted from his team, right. Matthew Kutcher could supply that,
1: yeah, because <laughs> so. Sammy Blaze out for the year that was like a well version of that, yeah,
2: yeah. And those are all those type players are all temporary plugins, right? Uh, Kutcher, I mean, I, I, I like your thinking on that. you get him in for the short term, yeah, and then you get him in a real contract, a contract that's right. uh Makes more sense uh, yeah. for uh, for the team perspective, and uh, you know he, he might like the the bright lights of. Uh, I kind
1: of you know. think he would based on the mentality of the Kachuk family, and I've interviewed him, and you've interviewed him, and we know what they're all like. Even Keith, I ran into during the cup, they're all the same. Yeah, <laughs> those guys are the same.
2: Yeah, no, I know they're they're they're, they're a good bunch of guys, and yeah. uh, it's fun. The guy, you know who Keith uh, looked up to as a kid jeremy Roenick. oh
1: my god
2: <laughs> yeah he was behind him and his dad uh who was a firefighter i believe um would go to the games and watch jeremy fly up and down the ice for he, Thayer he, academy he, so, and he, I, I
1: was just gonna say go ahead finish and then well, i was
2: gonna run. say, flying up and down the ice at Thayer academy with his jersey flapping behind him and said you got to play with his energy that, that that's the guy you want to 'Cause you know, if you remember Ronick when he came to the league was a Tasmanian devil. You know, yeah, he yeah. was just threw you all over the ice. Yeah. So,
0: Chicago yeah. he was unbelievable. Yeah. I guess it was a great honor. Didn't Kachuk get a
1: chance to ruin the hotel room with with Ronick during the Olympics? No,
2: Ronick wasn't involved. He um, wasn't it was, I was, it that was that was, was
0: Madano and Chelios and Oh, okay. And, oh, okay. I always thought
2: it wasn't it, was it wasn't about. Chelios. Chelios had the greatest alibi in the uh known <laughs> <the>, <laughs> man. He was with Cammy Renato oh okay. the, the granado family and the Chelios family were friends and they were all oh. up to so yeah i remember running into a chicago reporter and everybody i said did you get your guy and he goes yeah i found Chelios and he was with the granado family they didn't know anything about it he had they had been because
1: uh, i remember they did something like back in those days like two thousand dollars worth of damage or something
2: yeah, yeah no it was a it was a it was a big uh a big, incredible event.
0: Yeah, uh, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't Keith Moon hotel it, trash. But it no. Was, but I mean, for hockey players,
1: it was a big deal. And because I was in the hotel business, I was just like thinking about going into it. It,
2: it was a that, big deal. That's one of the things um, they could have uh, nipped that so quickly. Uh, and the mistake was just not owning it. Like the the, the cover up was the problem. Yeah. Like it, I mean, yeah, it was bad, but it wasn't the end of the world. You know, you could have come out the next day, and uh, Chelios ended up paying the fine, but it was a few days later, and there really wasn't the kind of miocopa that you really need. If you would have come out the next day and said, you know, guys got carried away, it was out of hand, it was inexcusable. We're all totally embarrassed by this, right? And just and just fessed up, yeah. Like it, it would have been fine
0: and it sort of it sort of derailed that team because remember this is okay this is 98 i believe that was the first year of the nhl in the olympics it's mm-hmm. coming off that that world cup where the us beats canada so mm-hmm. a lot of people thought okay this is our great chance to yep. get our first gold medal since since 1980 and it just never really happened because that incident happened and then it, they just didn't play well on the ice as well, and it, it just seemed to derail everything. Kevin. Well, that
2: was at the end of the of the. Yeah, yeah. That was after they had uh, already played, but they did. They didn't play well. I mean, they came in with high expectations. Um, you know, they had won the World Cup in '96. You know, they had the uh, that team had really come together, um, and uh, it looked like they were going to you know play well. I remember you know Keith Kachik throwing his stick as he left the ice, if you recall, he was so angry at how oh, I don't
1: remember that part. Okay.
2: Yeah. How poorly he uh, the team had played. Um, and, uh, it was just, everybody was just disappointed and bitter. And
1: yeah, they um, had a lot of talent on the team.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no, it was a, it was a great team. I, but the apology thing, I remember writing a column based on a true story of, uh, an event that I uh, was made aware of, of, uh, a wedding that was happening. And for probably still unclear to this day, uh, the uh, uh, party, uh, uh, bachelor party was held the night before the ceremony. And the best man had been part of all that and had too much and slept through the ceremony, uh, didn't show up for it. And so when he was at the reception, was there now everybody was worried no, no one could find him. He shows up at the reception, And I was when the person who told me the story called it the greatest apology ever. He walks in the front door and everybody runs up to him like, where have you been? He didn't say a word, walked up to the microphone and said, "Uh, I am embarrassed and humiliated by my conduct last night. But the only thing that can make this day any worse uh, is if you guys spent all your time trying to talk to me about it, trying to berate me about it, because this day should be about the bride and groom. So let's accept that I'm a total screw up. And let's move on with the day and celebrate yeah. this yeah. wedding. Okay. And, and with the my friend who told me that story called it the greatest apology ever. Because if that's you went girl. after him now, yeah, like if you went after him, now you were going to be the one who was disrupting yeah. the wedding and making it worse. So smooth. but you know, yeah, yeah. Well, th- I, I remember writing that column saying that's the kind of apology the Americans should have given you know, we're just totally embarrassed by our conduct. And, and then it wouldn't have been any problem. But as it was, it became a much bigger issue. Because they wouldn't admit who it was. Or I, mean, I remember
0: reading a bunch of articles about it. Probably read yours, too.
2: Yeah, I'm sure.
0: So uh, so it's, it's ironic that just to connect to the, this Olympic, you know, Chris Chelios playing for the U.S. in Nagano and Jake Chelios playing for China. Yeah.
2: yeah. There's is- a long, long history of strange... uh Uh, You know, if you could, it used to be you could prove that you have some, you know, heritage you could play for the team. I remember Italy put together a team, I think it was 92 or yeah I think it was 92 and like Bob Mano played for
0: I I mentioned that but I don't even think yeah. it was 92 I think it was like 84 I think it was like Sarajevo because he played for he played for the Leafs in like 80 and 81 and then he was out of the NHL and he was playing in Europe and he was Canadian but he played for Italy in the. Yeah,
2: yeah yeah there and there were a lot of you know like if your name ended in a vowel they would take you you know so um, there was a lot of that kind of going on, so there is a long history of that, and you know, it's all about just trying to put together a competitive team,
1: yeah. Oh, by I the mean, way, um, so Marcus Fellino
0: is getting a hearing for that meme to the head of yeah, but it's, not, it's not an in person one, so he, he but but Marchand is an in person one, so no, won't. but
1: still, that we should talk about it in the sense that that was pretty gruesome, like that's yeah, why. Losing un- temper to the point where you, this guy's so vulnerable, and you need him to the head. It was uncharacteristic.
0: Because Felino is usually not—he's a tough—he's a tough player, but he's usually not lot like that. So, um you, you yeah, I'm going to
2: gonna have to run, guys. So you'll have to okay. finish up without me. Yep, no right,
0: problem. See Thank you later,
2: guys. Bye bye.
0: Uh, we'll take a couple questions and then I'll end the show. So anybody in the chat, uh, I know I saw something from Ace asking about uh, Joel Edmondson. I mean, Edmonton's been on IR for mo- most of the year. I, I was just trying to look up while we were – while Kevin was talking to see yeah. how many games he's played. But, I mean, after a really good year last year and everything – you know, after everything went right for Montreal last year, everything is going wrong this year. Um, Russ, I, I heard Elliot – They're unwatchable. They are. Right. I heard Elliot Friedman talking about the fact that um, – uh, that, uh, Dvorak might be, uh, on the move that he's amongst, you know, we, we've heard to in Calgary and and Friedman talked about that. That, bad, we've heard, that was such a bad move, man. We've heard, I... we've, heard we've heard Ben sherat um, you know, they've heard been other, you know, uh, potential moves, but Dvorak with the term left in his contract, apparently there are Western uh, there are Western uh, conference teams that are interested to think he's a lot better than what he's played in Montreal. And Edmondson is yeah, has- going to
1: make him a third-line center. If they're going to make him a second-line center, he's not going to be any better.
0: Or maybe he's a winger. Maybe they'll play him on the no, wing. No, no, no. He's a center.
1: He's a, he's a natural center. Again, it's just how many times do we have to hear where teams go and get a player and think that he can play a role or play up to whatever he's been successful at? That's ninety-five percent and this isn't like a real stat, but I'm just saying in my head, 95% of the time,
0: it doesn't work out. Well, that, that I call that Villy Leno disease, Villy, okay. you know, Villy Leno was a second, was a center in Detroit. And Babcock said he couldn't play center. He goes to Philly as a winger and has a phenomenal playoff. And then Buffalo signs him as a free agent. And what do they do? They make him a center, which he proved he couldn't play.
1: Right. And so it's crazy that they thought, and, I, and again, I caught static on this show. I tried to say that I followed him for pre-draft. Like I interviewed him. I've interviewed him a bunch of times. I've watched him a bunch of times because I like the way he plays. I just never saw the fit. And sometimes you just can't do that with a guy. You just, you know, for every Mika Zibanejad where it works out, like he wasn't in one number one center and if he becomes one, there is, you know, a hundred Dvorak's teams.
0: Um. Let's see here. There was a couple questions in here. I I saw going back. I found my books.
1: No, I already answered that. <laughs> oh
0: God! Yeah, I yeah. Said,
1: I, I, gotta, I I gotta sell, man. I'm a you know
0: I'm an independent here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Russ and Mike. Oh, it's it's uh the the head of the Mike Jello fan club. Terry Three. Nice. Uh, good man. Number one. Leave him number one. He's number three, G, but he's number one in my heart. Uh, (laughs) Leafs looking for D. Someone suggested on socials, they look at Kraken, not Giordano, but Jeremy Lawson. Uh, I mean, Lawson
1: will give you the grit and the physicality that they want. If they feel like that's all they need, it would be better than Giordano. Because Giordano, he's he's older. You don't know if he's going to run out of gas in the playoffs. Yes, he's more offensive, but he's not like a ton more offensive. Like how many points does Gio have this year?
0: Um, I think he has like six or something like that. Let me yeah, see. I mean, he's not the same player. No, he's got 18. I'm sorry. 18. 18 but that's 14. still he's not the same player. He he's 18. getting he's getting number one defenseman
1: ice time. Right. So number one defenseman, right? Most have probably around 25, 30 points at this point of the year. If you're a true number one.
0: Yeah. Right. But they're 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 a challenged offensive team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but okay, he, here's the thing. Uh Lawson I'm not saying he's not a good defenseman I don't think he's a top four defenseman no he's really not and and he's a lefty and he Justin Braun's
1: better than Lawson. I'm not
0: trying to start up with you I'm just saying as I just think the the Leafs the Leafs you know the one thing about Giordano is he's still a top four defenseman even though he's 37 years old he'd be a lot costlier because um he's um you know making 6.8 million and it'll probably cost the Leafs to get Seattle to retain salary the benefit here and I said this on Kevin show with Tom Laidlaw is Giordano played with TJ Brody yeah. so there's a match the problem is is Giordano's a lefty yeah and that would mean Brody playing the right side which he already does right now and that means that either Muzzin or Riley would have to move to the right side and Riley has proved over his career, he's a good defenseman, but he is not as good playing the right side. I'm which sure Muzzin good. can do it. Muzzin has done it before, but he tried it and he wasn't as good. And his yeah. mobility, his mobility. Yeah, he's a little challenged mobility-wise, yeah, so, that's
1: a fair point. Yeah. You Her, know, Funky came up with something that has, I'm going to take it a step further with uh, Terry 3Gs. If you want to be a true follower of Michael Jello, then you need to down a uh, a glass of Tang and show the video on Twitter and tag Mike. That's really what you need to do. Otherwise, you're really not there.
0: This is going to be a long weekend, Russ, because I'm having a I'm having a medical procedure done on Monday, and. For this procedure, you cannot drink any red or orange drinks. Uh oh. Uh oh. So that means I'm gonna to have to be drinking like Seven Up or ginger ale or something like that. That's clear and not drinking, not drinking my wonderful Tang.
1: I'm gonna give you. Here's some good advice. Canada Dry has a clear vanilla cream. It's awesome. That's way better than any
0: of the other crap you just mentioned. Vanilla cream, like a like like a uh, like yeah. a like cream soda type of thing yes. it's okay. awesome and it's cool. great <laughs> yeah drink vodka Mike <laughs> I'm, no see I'm more of a bur- I'm more of a bourbon drinker it's Oh, a- this is the thing so this weekend Terry three G's really needs to drink Tang instead of you because you can't no yeah to maintain the Tang quota in the world right to balance things out, since I can't drink my quota of Tang, if he Terry, does that, like he's the true number
1: one. If he doesn't, then he's just another guy.
0: Terry, Terry's got to make up, make up the the ground for me since I can't drink Tang on the weekend. There you go. <laughs> All right, we'll end we'll end the fun and frivolity there for uh, the departed Kevin Allen for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Logello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.